I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We will be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. Choreographing, specifically for musicals. So we've discussed musicals plenty of time on the podcast. But we thought we should like take the time to actually talk about, talk about the specifics of choreographing for a musical, which is something that me and Danielle do all of the time. Yeah, we realized <laughs> that um, we have talked in various episodes about kind of the differences in choreographing for different things and stuff like that, but we've never really stopped to dissect them. So yeah. we're going to um, do a little series of choreographing for different types of dance mm-hmm. avenues yes and just kind of dissect dissect them a little bit so today is musicals which like tony just said um well tony and i have a lot a lot of experience in it's oh, um yeah. it's a it's a big part of what we both do mm-hmm. and one of the things that i often i should start that why i think choreographing for musicals is so different is that we don't always have all the power no and we kind of not. talked about this last time when we talked about pre-production and our pre-production episode, where I am beholden to the director. Now, luckily, in some of my schools that I am choreographing it, or some of the organizations that I work for, I am listed as a director choreographer, mm-hmm. where I typically have the power to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. There are still plenty of times where I am not the head person in charge, and I am beholden to circumstances that I cannot control. Um, and that is like, it's one of those things where you have to get creative. Like, honestly, like, I think, I think not to say that there's not creativity in, in the other dance avenue, other choreography avenues, but in musicals, you can have a set designer come in and be like, everything's on a giant rake. Good luck. Right. Or we, <laughs> we, you know, we talked about this in our pre-production episode. You are not going to get the cast that you envisioned you would have mm-hmm. and their skill level, you know varies dramatically and you have to change choreography or you know you're going to work on one show where the director and the md and the producers you just like all work together great and everyone's got each other's back and you're collaborating mm-hmm. and communicating through every yes. aspect and i've been lucky enough to have those situations and then i've also been unfortunate enough to have the situations where nobody communicates like we talked about in the pre-production episode um and you don't get a say in anything as the choreographer because unfortunately more times than not the choreography is the choreographer is on the bottom of the totem pole of the artistic staff or the creative staff absolutely um and so but also and another big thing i was thinking about this as as you were saying that is that like you you may not get the ideal cast or you may get the ideal cast in your ensemble but within musicals, people have to sing. Mm-hmm. And not all singers can move. Not all, Like, I've right. met some that just don't have it all. Right. Or and so you, you have to choreograph around them. Mm-hmm. Or, like it, or you get, like, the people who can do all the movement and can do all the amazing vocals. But in the number where you're like, great, they're so talented. They're going to do, you know, a triple pure while sustaining, mm-hmm. you know, a G. 
you get to rehearsal and that's not doable at all. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I, that, so let's start. We're kind of just throwing it all the craziness yes. that comes to choreographing for it. So the first thing I want to say, you get your cast. Maybe you know what's going to happen. Maybe you don't know what's going to happen with pre-production or things like that. The first thing is that if you are lucky, music has been learned mm-hmm. for your show. If you are lucky, your cast knows all of their music, have had most or all of their music rehearsals done and completed, and you yourself has physic have physically heard all of the music that is going to be used. You may not get that lucky. I typically have it where music rehearsals are not over when I start choreographing. Yeah. So, so excuse me. So some of my cast has never heard music that they're choreo- that they're dancing to. Yeah. So you're trying to teach rhythms while they're dancing for the first time. Or you might teach rhythms differently than the MD is going to teach rhythms. Mm-hmm. So now that's a whole issue of trying to balancing out those rhythms. Or I've had it before where the MDs decided to cut things because someone can't sing it or because they want to do this or they make changes. So there's a whole change in music rehearsal that I did not know about. Um, so the one benefit I would say that I choreographing for musicals, I learned how to work uh, with no time and under yep. pressure. Yep. Because it is very common to go into a rehearsal and they'd be like, all these things change. Can you still choreograph this number today? You know, or it'll <laughs> be like, you know, it'll be like, well, again, you're on the bottom of the totem pole. So you only are going to be, you know, allotted two hours of the day. I need the other six. And yes. so you're like, Oh, okay, sure, 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 sure. And I, I agree with you. I have to say that I have gained the skill of being able to choreograph extremely quickly or set, you know, or set choreography oh, yeah. extremely quickly because I have worked on many summer socks and, and many other productions where it is a very short amount of time and it's a time crunch. Um, mm-hmm. And you, mm-hmm. you learn to get a feel for what people can pick up very quickly. Like, that's really what it is. It's yep. learning, like, like it's one of those things of just knowing how much you can throw at your dancers on the spot or your non-dancers. Um, I think that I think that plays a major part in choreographing for musicals is, one, it's all very story-driven. That's the first thing mm-hmm. that you said. Choreographing for musicals is very story-driven. And while dance has, in the last couple of years, become very story-driven, even outside of ballet... There are some times where dance is just dance. Well, and I don't I, like those as much, but there are yeah. times where dance is just dance. It, and in a musical, that's not the case. Everything should be, or the best musicals at the very least, mm-hmm. should be geared toward furthering the story in some way. Yeah. Um, I went to college with this girl. She's a gorgeous dancer, beautiful. We were we were pretty good friends in college too. But you know, she grew up in a studio, and she did not do musicals, which is fine. Mm. You know, she never did theater growing up. She wasn't a singer. She didn't do theater. She just danced. And she was a beautiful dancer. And um, she, for a little while, you know, after college or when college was nearing the end, we would, you know, go sometimes on weekends to audition for, like, cruise lines and, you know, all that good stuff. And, And she even was a dancer in my BFA thesis. Again, gorgeous. But something I noticed about her is, like, I wanted to work with her because she had these beautiful long lines and this like very gracefulness about her but she was a 
a dancer's dancer. She didn't know how to use her face. She didn't know how to really tell a story, at least when we were in college, through movement because she did not grow up doing theater or in the theater world at all. And that's when I do think that um, you have those dancers who grew up doing theater that might not be as talented as dance as like I won't say you know as talent I say it's technical. Yes, okay, you're correct. You're correct. I agree with that. Not as talented as technical as you're like the dancer dancers that will usually get booked more because of um, their face facials. I mean, I know that growing up, I always considered myself like a good dancer. Like I know that I am good at what I do. But there are definitely times even growing up that I got solos in, you know, my dance studio or better parts than even the Nutcracker and stuff like that because I wasn't as technically advanced as the person mm-hmm. next to me or technically proficient as the person next to me because there are things about my body that aren't as great as someone next to me, but I would get the roles and the souls over them because I could perform. Oh, that was me all day. I've always, I always, even now I'm like, I have terrible technique and even people... I've had friends being like, it's not as bad as you think. I've danced worse. And I was like, but I'm still terrible. I know. But I can make you watch me. And I do That's, think... Like, I can steal the focus when oh, I need to steal the focus. Yeah. And that is what I think and is one of numerous parts. I think that's <laughs> what kind of drew me to wanting to really primarily work on musicals in the first place once I started choreographing was because I grew up doing theater, so that was mm-hmm. a big part of my life. But also, um, I knew that it was my ability to express through my facials and just through my my body through the energy in my body it was my ability to express and portray a star story that you know that really played a huge part in what I chose to focus on as a professional um oh yeah and I well I still do musicals yeah. so that's I think has always played a large part and I've always been very drawn to dance musicals which kind of triggered my whole dance career and career as a performer um but I think what makes it so, why have I, why I stuck with it, because I, I love the idea of a triple threat. And again, mm-hmm. I've said this numerous times, my favorite musical is a chorus line. I like the idea of singing, dancing, and acting all the way through. Um, and when you, again, I think you just, you have to understand, you have to look at movement differently when you're choreographing for musicals. Because I as much as I've worked on like, dance heavy musicals i've also worked on willy wonka and the chocolate factory where there is no dancing per mm-hmm. se yeah. there's movement and staging and i think there are a lot of times where you'll get directors that try to do staging of really complicated scenes and it doesn't look good because sometimes certain directors i don't think they, i don't think they understand the movement of people Mm-hmm. And the movement or placing of people. And so I always love watching a scene that gets staged by someone that's not a move a movement person and be like, why is every like this doesn't make any sense why everyone is here or everyone's stationed this way? Yeah, I think that um it, it, to me it almost feels a, like they're alienating certain people and I yeah. just like you don't have an understanding of how people move. And I think that's what's di- so different about choreographing for musicals. You have to know how people move, let alone dance. Just how do they move about the space? Yeah. I think plays a huge part in it. I think, yeah, I, I 100% um, agree with you. And I also think that, um, um, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> we'll go back to it. But I, I agree I agree with you. I think, oh, I remember what it was. Yay. You were saying that, um, 
you know, that, that choreographers who choreograph for musicals have to have this like understanding of just movement, of movement yeah. and how, and how it looks on stage and how it moves. And, um, I feel like a lot of people who don't know how to choreograph for musicals get very, you know, if you take a choreographer who usually works like a dance company or a competition studio, um, I'm not even going to talk about like directors trying to choreograph. I'm going to stick just on choreography because that's a different No, I'm going to talk about that a little later. Um, but, um, they tend to make every number in the show just like everyone's got to be there and it's got to be a big production number mm -hmm. and this happens a lot with directors who think that they can choreograph but if we're trying to talk about just choreographers I would say you'll find it a lot in some company choreography dancers but yep. a lot of competition choreographers um, and they don't understand that that in a musical if it is not enhancing and furthering the storyline it doesn't need to be there. And that sometimes a simple walking pattern is all that we need to do to get the point of this scene across. And I think that there is something so special about being able to learn that skill and oh, yeah. use that skill. Coco Chanel, less is more. It is. And it's always one of those things of like- I love a good walking pattern. Or, or for me, I honestly love like in a big, let's say we have a giant crowded scene or a giant crowd that's gathered together. I love like little subtle movements, like mm -hmm. maybe there's like a, a handkerchief wave or, okay, let's sing Titanic and everyone's waving goodbye to the boat. Something as simple as that. We don't need everyone to do this crazy walking pattern as everyone's leaving or this mm -hmm. huge dance as everyone's leaving. We could literally just have everyone bouncing up and down or yep. stepping side to side. Yep. Somebody, you know, does a handkerchief wave that's high above that creates a level. Someone dips down on the boat, so this way below. Like we could create levels within that picture. Or I personally love one or two people crossing and leaving the majority in place. Yeah. Or things like that where it's like... It's a very you like, run subtle, to your but like a dynamic room, shift. Everybody, yeah. You know, so we get some movement, but it doesn't need to be this giant elaborate thing. Like, you know, too, I love a good walking pattern, but I just hate, especially in those crowd scenes, everyone needs to cross. Yeah. 14 people are not going to are not going to instinctually cross the stage. Well, like and that. that's a thing that happen. I think as a choreographer who works on musicals, you learn is like, yes. you think about the hu basic human instinct. Mm -hmm. As a human being, would I do that naturally? Would I go, would 14 people go running across that stage? You know, would I? Because you're trying to develop a story here. Yes. And if, you know, you want to keep it as real and true as possible, um, to, to, you want to keep it really true to those characters. Yes. Because I think that's where the disconnect happens. Because I keep thinking about this with um, Josh Peck and Carousel. Was Carousel is that the right one that he went for? Uh, yes. And Josh Peck comes from the ballet world and has been choreographing and he choreographed Carousel, won the Tony for it, which was well-deserved. But in older musicals, they started out, for uh, ballets happened first. And then musicals kind of have operettas happen, and musicals kind of formed out of operettas. Yeah, a lot. So, like, a lot of those older shows have ten to fifteen minute ballets and like well, I was yeah. Ballets a lot them. of a lot of the older shows, the the Rodgers and Hammerstein shows. Oh yeah. Um, and even the ones that uh, any American came before songbook, on, era, yeah. songbook era, but have they had um, the ballets were the music for the ballet, and the ballet was choreographed first. And then the rest of the musical was written around it. Oklahoma, perfect example. Yeah. Agnes DeMille yeah. wanted to choreograph a cowboy ballet. And so Oklahoma was formed around it, which is why that has such a weak book. Sorry. There I'm is. Well, and that's why, like, they'll do, um, I, I know that New York City Ballet does this, where they'll do um, seasons where it will be, like, 
the ballet from Oklahoma and it will be mm-hmm. a full like, you know, 45 minute length thing because it was, you know, that's what it originally was, was oh, she yeah. wanted to choreograph a ballet. You, there's plenty of documentaries about Agnes Mill being like, I just want to choreograph a cowboy ballet and Oklahoma happened. Mm-hmm. But so there are moments where you do get like to go ham on shows where you get a full ballet or, you know, in Cinderella, you get a full giant ballroom scene where you mm-hmm. get to put such illustrious things in there. But then there are other moments where it's like synchronized moving. They're not all going to do that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. They're not all going to do that. Right. But then if you give me a show like Cinderella, all the ladies are going to move across the room at the same time and curtsy. Mm-hmm. So that does make sense. Right. But you, you have, have to, to do what makes sense. Yes. You have to understand the time. That's another thing. Time period the style that you're setting up, mm-hmm. like the, the voice that you want to use for this. Um, I think those are all things that you have to decide what you want to do within the musical that you're telling. Cause there is also something to be said for choreographing against the style. Like sometimes I, I do, I go back and forth depending on the show. Like there's a lot of times where you'll see older musicals with contemporary choreography, which mm-hmm. can be hit or miss. It has to be done in an accurate kind of way. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but I think it's that's just to me goes back to understanding of what you're choreographing for. Understanding mm-hmm. that like audiences that go see musicals want to suspend disbelief. You know? And then also, depending on your the run of your show, decide your choreography, which I think is something that doesn't happen in the concert dance world specifically. In the concert dance world, particularly back well, modern too, you'll have a company of 37 people. Out of the 37, 10 of them will be principals. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how difficult the piece is. Somebody else can go on that night yep. if they don't know it. Yep. In musicals, even with your best understudies, that ain't always the case. Yep. Because I, um, I'm forgetting her name at the moment, but uh, most recently Anastasia was on Broadway. And they had Fuerte times in that. Yeah. And in the ballet, first of all, there was a ballet number. I still have like all sorts of Ugh. feels about it, but yeah. Same. But I just remember distinctly because I saw it with a, a former student of mine and we were watching it as the girl came out on point shoes. And I was like, because they said they were going to the ballet because it's a part of the story. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I expected her to be in like fl- ballet flats. Mm-hmm. She came out on point shoes and I was like, are they seriously about to make this young lady do point in act two of an already heavy movement? It's not a lot of dance, but a lot of a heavy mm-hmm. movement show. And so, sure enough, that young lady was on point and gave us some solid weapons. And she entered it. She uh, landed in a, you know, a full big old force. And then she continued. I'm literally being like, this woman hates her dancers. Who wants to do fuetes eight times a week? Yeah. Like, and she's in heels the rest of the show. So, literally, I'm like, again, going back to our, our, um, our episode about uh, flexibility. I don't think she was warm enough. Mm-hmm. That's what I kept thinking the whole time. I was like, how in the world is she warm enough to go on point? Grant is acting, yeah. so it's later in the show, maybe intermission. She has enough time. Maybe she's warm enough. I do not know. But I just kept thinking, like, this is an, I would, I can only imagine what that, like, I mean, Grant, the show ran forever, too. It ran for three or four yeah. years, I think. But, and it has plenty of companies all around the world. I do, I don't know particularly if all of them have that same ballet or if they I, do something I don't differently. Know. But I'm just saying, like, that, I can only imagine that conversation with that dancer. It's like eight times a week, you got to slide on point shoes for five minutes. Well, I did, I did a show, um, 
when I was in high school, as a senior in high school, and um, I did a production of A Christmas Carol, and I did the um, Alan Menken version, mm, okay. which was what is was originally done in New York and ran for ten, 10 years. <laughs> um, but um, I was the ghost of Christmas yet to be, who is on point in that production. It is a ballerina, and every year they did it at uh, Madison Square Garden. It was a ballerina from a ballet company she it was the same woman that actually did it for like seven of the ten years um i'm very familiar with the production was involved with it as a kid um but so i would i got the chance to be the ghost christmas yet to be and we did you know some of the original choreography was all on point but i was when i wasn't um i'm not even when i wasn't i'm sorry before that scene happened, because it was at the very end of the show, I was just in the ensemble for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. And I would have to give myself a bar class every mm-hmm. single performance. So before, like, I would, like, I remember I would, like, do my hair, put my makeup on, and then I would, like, go into the hall in the stairwell, and I would put music on my headphones in, and I would give myself an entire bar class plies, releves, tendus, mm-hmm. degages, like all of the things. And then I would go perform for the, you know, the first, um, you know, like 75 minutes of the show. And then I would change and do my five minutes on point. Um, and I only did that. I think I did it for like a month every like Thursday through Sunday. And it was a lot. So I can't imagine what it would be to be a professional Doing it eight times a week. And be for pay turner. Yeah. And again, that's one of those things of like, as a choreographer, because like, and I've done this. If I'm choreographer for concert dance or studio or different things, I'm not, I don't care. You're going to do it. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. But in a musical that I know most musicals are two hours or some of those longer ones are two hours and 30 minutes. There's also a lot going on because again, Certain musicals have like six big dance numbers in yeah. them. You know, or you get like a show that I just worked on, the opening number was eight minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get these crazy illustrious dance things that like, if I overdo it too much in that second number of the show, be it too flashy choreography or something too difficult, I'm going to burn out my dancers before we get to the act one finale. Yeah. Excuse me. And the act one finale in just about every musical is crazy. Yeah. Especially if there's a big dance number. So I think that's something that has to be taken into consideration uh, as you as you start to work and as you start to develop your choreography for a musical. You just have to be mindful of certain things that just are not are not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it when I see a good musical with a ton of knee slides and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like recently, we saw the prom um, before it yes. closed. And they had a lot of knee work in there. And I was going to be like, yeah, this is killer. Until I saw that they had knee pads built in on all the guys. It was only the guys that did it because the girls typically had dresses on. But the guys, they all had knee pads on and built into their pants. Um, yeah. So I was like, I was like, acceptable answer. Yeah, because that's a lot to. of weird, like with choreographing for musicals, unlike choreographing for concert dance, it's a lot of wear and tear on the same dancers with no breaks in between. Yes. Um, in particular, I remember the touring company uh, Beauty and the Beast, where the male ensemble also doubled as gargoyles around the castle. Mm-hmm. And the gargoyles move the set pieces 
and are like anytime the beast needs to attack someone and move like they the gargoyles came to life and were a part of it like it's just it was the the mechanism they needed to move and adjust things for the play which totally makes sense but you literally spend you know an eight minute scene bent hunched over in a gargoyle pose and then two minutes like you know there's three minutes later for you to change your costume and now you're doing be your guest where you're kicking to your nose as a fort and you've right. been on stage hunched over. You know, so like it's one of those things of like and well, there's a lot of burnout on that tour. But like it looks good in theory, but it's a choreographer's gotta sit there and be like, is this realistic? Is this sustainable? Is this worth it? Like, you know, how is this going to work? You know, it's is there are certain things that you have to think about, or times where we do as choreographers have to challenge the the director, you know, and challenge their vision. This happened um Mm-hmm. With Lion King. Lion King is very common that certain animal tracks in Lion King have certain injuries. Yeah. And so that choreographer had to be like, yeah, we're just prepared to replace ensemble members as it happened. You know, but other shows aren't prepared to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to ask yourself, again, just a big thing, is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. Can it be done? Does it make sense for the story? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think that's always the case. I agree. And I think that those are the big questions that... If you're going into choreography for a musical, you really need to think about, yes, like, is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. Does it make sense to the story? Um, and part of does it make sense to the story is what is the motivation for doing that? Yeah. So in acting, it happens in, sing- in singing as well, especially singing for musicals, musical theater. But in acting, it's a lot of like, what is your motivation for taking that step? What is your motivation for saying this? Or, you know, it's the beats. You learn about that in acting class when you're younger. What what came before? What was the beat that came before you started saying X, Y, and Z? And when you choreograph for a musical, all those dance numbers, and when I say dance numbers, I even mean just like the movement sections. Mm -hmm. It has to be based on like, what is the motivation for this character or this ensemble to do X, Y, and Z? Now, sometimes it's a situation like Beauty and the Beast where it's more fantastical and yeah. it's a story. It's a fairy tale almost. Well, the motivation is she's we're in this fantastical life and even for Be Our Guest, the, motiv- the motivation is we want her to stay here. We want her to feel at home because we hope that she can turn him back into a prince. Mm-hmm. There is still a motivation even behind all of the more, you know, like campy, for lack of a better term. Yeah shows and storylines and i think like yeah along with is it enhancing the story is like what is the motivation does that make sense Mm -hmm. because um i'm a big when i i've said this on other episodes before when i choreograph for musicals um i am really really big on what does it do for the story does it make sense what is your motivation for moving if those three things i can't answer concretely that movement is not supposed to be there. Oh, yeah. Or just something else that I was thinking that just distinguishes choreographing from musicals is that, like, there are certain technical elements that, like, you, that aren't, that don't, like, that aren't necessarily forced upon you, but are just a situation you have to deal with. Like, I always think about a really awkward crossing of stage, like, in certain dance patterns, like, in certain, like, because there have been times where I've been a dancer where it's like, I'm downstage left and I need to get upstage right. And in a concert dance, we'll just add a run or add some kind of really cool cross to get you over there. Mm-hmm. But when that same scenario shows up in a musical, you just have to run to get there in time. There isn't a cool cross you can do at that moment. Right. Or running looks awkward on stage. So there's things like that that you have to adjust. 
Or there's times where I've been choreographing big, huge numbers and literally five people are like, yeah, I can't make it on stage at this point in time because yep. I need to change my costume. Yep. And you're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You won't be in this number. Or yep. you'll come in at this part because we can't have you there. Or there's times where it's like, what was that freaking show? Little women. I was, they, we, uh, the, the, when they go to the ball, the, I can't remember the name of the number. It's like the one where they're prepping to go to the ball. Mm-hmm. So they all dance in the yeah, living, yeah, they I all dance the in the living room. And so I remember choreographing for it, but I just remember being like, they were in rehearsal skirts and the rehearsal skirts were not hooped. Like the, the, mm-hmm. the they weren't big at the bottom. So yeah. they were long, so the girls had to use to picking them up, but they were not big. Like they, they told me that one of the girls was going to have a hoop, like a metal ring at the bottom of it. And I just remember choreographing and doing stuff. And then the costumer, I remember, I remember her walking up to me and she put her hand on my shoulder and I looked at her and I said, I hate you for coming in the middle of rehearsal and reminding me. Mm. And she said, you remember now. Because everyone, else, like we finished a good chunk of it. So yeah. everyone, was, MD's going, it was, it was a great run of the number. And literally the costumer finally left the costume shop and like came around. And the minute I saw her face, I realized half my choreography was about to get thrown out the window because we had to put this giant ring. Like, she was going to have a ring. Yeah. So picking... It was like this little, um, like, can-can part mm. that I kind of threw in. And it wasn't even anything elaborate. It just worked really well for the scene. Right, but that's not going to work with a But six, four, four of the characters would be fine, but this one character couldn't do that in the giant hoop. Nope. And I'm like, oh, come it on. And yeah. so it's little things like that that get... That get thrown out the window just because just due to circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe the principal needs to leave five minutes into the numbers because she needs to get ready for her next big number. Mm-hmm. Or uh, one, I went through this again with Little Women. One of the guys, it was just like this ring around the rosy thing, but he got so into it, he got out of breath that he couldn't hit his notes at the end mm-hmm. of the song. So the director and MD are going to be being like, cut it off. He needs to be able to sing at the end. Yeah. And I'm being like, wait, let me figure some stuff out. So like, I was able to tone it down where we could keep it and just be like, if you get too excited and can't sing, it will get cut. Like I just had to leave, I had to leave it with the actors and just be like, if it will get cut, I'm already being threatened. Like they're throwing daggers Mm -hmm. at me, asking me to cut this scene, you know, cut this movement because they're where you can't sing and you have to finish the number singing, you know? So there's, or understanding how strong your dancers are as singers to see if they can move and sing and do stuff. Right. There's little stuff like that that just never... It never shows up. Well, they're not singing when you're, you know, doing concert dance, you know? Right. So those those elements just don't appear anywhere else except for when you're choreographing for musicals. Mm -hmm. You know? They just don't. Yeah. It's just, it's just different. And knowing, knowing like how to go into that situation is helpful. Mm -hmm. That being said, this week we want to introduce you guys to a new section called Tip of the Week. So... For this section, sometimes it will be a good old-fashioned I love dance but or I'm sorry, what did you just say to me? Or sometimes it just could be a tip that leads into career advice mm-hmm. or a tip that simply could be how to stay healthy and maintain this crazy, ridiculous career that we have. Yes. Um, so for me, my tip this week would be balance. I would I would say enjoy the balance, enjoy the fast, and enjoy the slow. I, in particular, got back from vacation and things were going really, really fast for a while. And then it slowed down to where I had some more off time and like got to enjoy the end of my summer. I got some more, you know, lazy mornings where I got to sleep in. And then literally I received a text message today that's like, all your work stuff is activating right now. And so Mm -hmm. I'm back to having, I have 
two really full weeks that kind of fell out of the sky today. Um, so I'm back to kind of being super busy. So it's one of those things of like, we as, da- we as dancers and as performers constantly want to be go, 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 because we perceive go, go, go as doing well in our careers. Mm-hmm. But the downtime and the, re- the refocusing and the recentering and matters just as much as the go, go, go. So enjoy it. Enjoy the highs. Enjoy the lows. Enjoy the quiet and enjoy the fast pace would be my tip for the week. Yeah, I actually want to build off of that. Um, so I recently started teaching again. We're a couple weeks in. The kids are back. And I think that the idea of balance and just taking time to reset yourself is at right now, you know, in the month of September and fall is very, very prevalent for all our dance teachers out there. Oh, yeah. Take time for yourself um, because while we are always go, 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 go and trying to do the best we can, we also care so much about what we do as dance teachers and care so much about our students and being there 110 percent um and it takes a lot out of you to go to class every day and teach multiple classes and give it your all and to not be able to come home at the end of the night and decompress is very hard and gonna wear on you so something that um i've been doing is just like coming home getting a workout in on fridays just like staying home, watching TV, ordering food. Friday's like my day where I'm like, I treat myself, I order food, Mm -hmm. I have some drinks. But um, take time for yourself. It's okay to say no to going out. It's okay to say no to seeing friends. And it is okay to just want to come home and relax. Especially for our dance teachers. I just Mm -hmm. keep thinking when you're like this month of September... Next month is October, which means Halloween. Mm-hmm. So all the Halloween dances and costumes. And then literally roll into November, which means dress rehearsals for our Christmas show, which are the next month. Yeah. So like the fall is always The fall is steamer. always insane. Or, There's never enough time in the fall. Because it's if it's so September, short. that means that you're starting back to school. And then probably in like another two weeks, you're starting Nutcracker rehearsals. Yep. Yep. So, so I, take, I, I'm with you. Take the time. Enjoy the stuff. Take the time. Yes. Yep. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed in this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. Episodes come out every Thursday. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast apps. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. You can find us on all the social medias at Point PYT. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of an NYC